tonight what we're zocha to have in, in our base medrash is, is something that's uh, very, very special. Revel Yashiv Zatzal did not talk very much. For Revel Yashiv to say two sentences was, uh, was unique and someone asked him, uh, made a comment, I don't know whether the comment was positive or the comment was negative, it's not important, mentioned Rav Kook. Actually, my, I have a family relative that's married to one of Rebel Yashiv's great-grandchildren. And uh, I asked him, did he know who his great-grandfather's Masadir Kedushin was? And he didn't. He did not know that who his great-grandfather's Masadir Kedushin was. And Rebel Yashiv described, you have absolutely no hasaga of what Maran Harav Kuk Zuchusa Yoga Inalainu was. Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Zatzal used to describe that uh, when he wanted to get chizuk with his chavrusa, they would go to Rav Kuk, Rav Kuk Zatzal's home and they would look, peek through the peek hole of the, once upon a time there was such a thing called keys and a keyhole and you were able to see through the keyhole and they would just peer inside of Rav Kuk's house and watch Rav Kook sitting and learning. That was what Rav Shlomo Zalman did for a break for Chizuk, to watch the holy face of Rav Kook's Zuchusa Yoga Inaleinu. Yet at the same time, Rav Kook's name has been used in, to justify things, justify things that are inappropriate within the Mesorah. I could think of three Baruch Hashem uh, not very strong movements, but three, three movements that you justify things that are against the Mesorah's HaTorah and implicitly or explicitly use Rav Kook's name uh, to justify that. And of course, the, the breadth and the Kedusha and the esoteric components of Rav Kook's writings could sometimes lead to misinterpretation, chas v'chalila. Rav Kook's essence, through it all, Rav Kook was one of the closest Talmidim of Rav Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin. He was a Talmud of Yeshivas Volozhin. It's true that Rav Kook favored the Nitziv's Mahalach over Rav Chaim's Mahalach. Both of them Zuchusam Yogain Aleinu. But Rav Kook's essence was the Amelus Batayra of Elohim. And if anybody wants to tap into the Koach of Rav Kook, it cannot be separated from the Amelus Batayra of Elohim. And that's why, in my opinion, the most important work to be translated of Rav Kook is what Rav David Shlita did translating the work of Oris HaTorah. I'm not a bucking Rav Kook's writings, but I must admit that of the works that, I, that I've tend to look at was more Oirois or Oirois HaTshuva, but someone who's finally translated Oirois HaTorah, Oirois HaTorah, which is a foundation. Rav Kook used to learn, Rav Chaim was a little upset at him, he thought he was learning too fast. Rav, Chaim, Rav, Rav Kook used to learn 30, 40 dapim a day in Yeshivas Velazhin, 
That was his essence. And then from out of that Amelus Batora came a tremendous Avas Yisrael, a tremendous Avas Eretz Yisrael, a tremendous pursuit of MS, which I hope that our base Medrash also tries to do. And it's a tremendous Zuchus that we have, the first translator of Oyrez HaToyra in our midst, someone who himself embodies not just the beautiful poetry of Rav Kook Zuchus not just the beautiful Kabbalah of Rav Kook Zuchus but also who is a Magid Shir of Gemara, someone who himself combines both the poetry of Rav Kook and the Amelus Batar of Rav Kook, to the point that the poetry and the Amelus become so mixed together that it becomes one beautiful shira, as the mitzvah of Ksivas Sefer Torah is not just Ksivas Sefer Torah of the Oisiyos, but Va'ata Kisvul Lachemes Hashira Zeis. And I dive into Hakadosh Baruch Hu that this shira that Rav Davidel has put together be something continued to be Mashpia and Klal Yisrael and the Amelus Betayra of Klal Yisrael and the shira of Klal Yisrael and Dveikus Hakadosh Baruch Hu always be one as Rav Kook Zechus Elenu represented. It is a great honor to be able to share words of Torah with you again. I think the last time that I was here was last Purim, and we're almost a year since the last time I was here. There are eminent Talmidei Chachamim in the crowd, and I just want to share a hargasha, a feeling of what it's like to be standing on the backside of having translated a piece, a rather large piece of the Sefer Oros HaTorah. Um, so that there shouldn't be any mistake about the matter, this uh, first volume, as represented by the letter Aleph on the side of the krach, is the first five prakim. I originally intended to do it in two krachim, of uh, prakim Aleph through Zion, and then prakim Ches through Yudalid, which is the entire Sefer. But uh, when I got up to page 460 in chapter 5, I had to uh, split it into three, and I saw precedent by other Magide Shirim to split it up in this exact way. Going down the pipeline, I'm already uh, pretty much done with the translation of two. I have to just write the, the notes in the back as well. And uh, we're all davening together that we should have access to these, uh, as Rav Eisenstein pointed out, these very sweet waters, sort of making sure there's not a Mekach Taos here. <laughs> that uh, I did not yet finish the, the complete Sefer, but we should be Zulcha to many strong years of health together. We should be Zulcha, all of us, to have the courage to try our hand at things that are beyond us, which uh, this is definitely an example of that. I wanted to speak this evening just about an introduction to who Rav Kook is to me, uh, what Rav Kook means to me on a certain level, and what Rav Kook does for my Avodah Hashem, and to share with you some thoughts, uh, mainly from Rav Kook, but also from other people as well. It's difficult for me to, to not quote from other sources as well in order to round out the picture, because really, Kola Torah Kula Inyan Echad, as Rav Kook speaks about so many places, that all of Torah is one, and from the base Medrash of the Svardim, and from the Mekubalim, and from the Poskim, and everybody together brings out the Shira of the Torah, as Rav Eisenstein pointed out. Our words of Torah this evening, and there should be many of them, Ritz Hashem, um, in addition to history and other things, but the words of Torah this evening, and maybe the mitzvos of Zchor Yimos Olam, 
those mitzvahs that are accrued this evening should be Le'ilei Nishmas, my dear Rebbe, Rabbi Avram Yitzchak ben Chaim Yaakov. Rabbi Avram Yitzchak was the first named after of Kuk. Chaim Yaakov was uh, Rabbi Ari Levine's son, and his grandson, Rabbi Avram Yitzchak Levine, was my Rav for many years. We're, just, we're still in Toch Shloshim. Should be Le'ilei Nishmas, my dear Rebbe, Rabbi Avram Yitzchak ben Chaim Yaakov, as well as Rufu Shalema, Havdu ben Chaim Lechaim, for our dear Chavar, uh, Rabbi Yosef, who I just heard needs uh, more of Yeshua than he needed before, for those who, uh, who are familiar. Yosef uh, Rafal ben Yehudis. Begin with something which is the only thing that I'll quote from the Sefer, from the Hakdama, in order to set the stage for what Rav Kook means for, for me. And all of these little speeches or uh, book tour, whatever you want to call it, is, is really just a chance to say thank you, Tashem, for bringing Tzadikim into the world. And specifically to bring a Tzadik of the caliber of Rav Kook. Of course, as Rav Eisenstein pointed out, there's a way in this base medrash of Rav Kook and the way that Rav Kook is so filled in the light of everything in the world, there's a way to take that in the wrong way. But there's also a way to find shleimus in not having to choose between this derech and avodas Hashem and that derech and avodas Hashem when both of them are emes la'amita, when both of them are completely true. And being a person who, a lot of you know me, and some of us were just meeting each other now for the first or second time, a person who grew up in a, a milieu, who grew up in a, a world where there wasn't one derech, but my, head, my, my svarim shelf in my house or that I saw from my father was filled with lots of different things. The type of education that I got was filled with wisdom from different uh, kfutzos within, within Am Yisrael. And to be able to figure out how to do that, because it's a, it's a hard thing to do. A person grows up, you know, a, a Lubavitcher, so you have seven Rebbes, and you have, there's a lot of work to go through there. And you read the Torah's Chabad, and that's what you have. And if you're a Ger, so you have the Ger's farm from there. And if you're a Breslover, so you have there plenty of stuff. Even within the world of, that's just within the world of Hasidus. Then you move into the realm of, there's Brisker Lamdus, and that's one way of learning. And then there's other, Drachim and Pilpul, there's the way of Rav Yosef Engel and Sachachav, which is, I'm talking about in Nigla, which is a little bit of a different way of Mahalach in learning. And so being exposed to a lot of those different things and feeling all the time, the, the pull of being a jack of many trades and a master of none, a king of none of them. Rav Kook is somebody who has given me a path forward to be able to draw from disparate paths and to be able to do that in a way which is wholesome and which is growth-oriented and is always more to calibrate exactly the way that we're trying to serve Hashem. And I'll explain what I mean, hopefully in the next half hour uh, or so. In the Hakdama to the Sefer, I took the liberty or I had the chutzpah to darshan of Cook's name. Because a person's name is their essence. So I was thinking about the fact that it's how peculiar it is that Rav Cook's name is Rav Avraham Yitzchak HaKohen Cook. When we think about that for a second, I think it frames everything that I want to talk about and to read and to learn together a few ketayim, a few pieces from Rav Cook that sort of highlight this, this nature of Rav Cook. Rav Cook's name is Rav Avraham Yitzchak on the one hand, you have Avraham. Avraham, Yitzhar HaChesed. Avraham Avinu, the universalist. Avraham Avinu, who wanted to keep Yishmael in. Avraham Avinu, Bechach Chosmin, who is the person who wants the whole world to be shining. His tent is open on all four sides and wants the entire world to be covered in this beautiful uh, cloud of Avodos Hashem, the Nefesh Asher Asu Bechara, and Avraham Avinu, who goes out to the world to conquer the world in this way. Versus Yitzchak Avinu, whose gvura and whose quietness and whose whose strength is felt, dafka in the fact that there's a particularism to him, there's a certain closedness to him, that lav dafka is everything part of the package. 
And he doesn't necessarily even need, at the end of the day, yeah, there's a, there's a way that Rivka has to wake him up to the fact that Esav is not really part, but there's a certain derech in Yitzchak's life where it's much more quiet and it's much more particular and it's much more associated with the strength of Gvura, as is found in all this farm. So we see already in the first part of Rav Avram Yitzchak HaKohen Cook's name is that there's this tension between, on the one hand, you have Avram Yitzchak HaChesed and Yitzchak Yitzchak Gvura. The Seder, that wouldn't be so worthy of uh, introduction. But then you move on to the fact that we call him, everyone calls him, Rabbi Avraham Yitzchak HaKohen Cook. Now the Gemara has a machlokes in several places this comes out in Halacha, whether the job of a Kohen is to be Shlucha de Rachmana, to be the intermediary between Am Yisrael and Hashem, playing the part of the Kohen is the one who accepts from Hashem, on Hashem's behalf, he's the Shlucha de Rachmana. He is the one who represents the top down, the Rabbonu Shel Olam, whose Shechina is Shochin b'makom Right. At the same time, the Gemara also asks, maybe the Kohanim play the role of Shlucha Didon, that they're the Shluchim of Am Yisrael, which means that the Kohen himself has this very peculiar, as the Maharal explains at length, and there's a lot of Hanukkah Torah on this, that the Indian of the Kohen is that the Kohen himself is torn between these two worlds, on the one hand being the representative of Hashem, and on the other hand being representative from the bottom up of Am Yisrael. I once many years ago heard from uh, Rabbi Yeshua Hartman, the, the world expert probably on Maharal in our generation, who wrote the, the blue volumes with all the footnotes. Rabbi Hartman suggested an explanation of a peculiar uh, and very difficult Maharal in the Sefer Ner Mitzvah, where the Maharal explains the entire story of Hanukkah. I'll, I'll say it very shortly, that basically the word Heichal, the word Heichal, is the Gematria 65, and Yavan is the Gematria 66, and therefore the Yavanim were able to be Sholet on the Heichal. But the word Heichal, because it's spelled with a Tzeri underneath the He, is actually pronounced with a hidden Yud in there. So Heichal doesn't really need a Yud. It should just be Heichaf Lamed. The fact that there's a Tzeri underneath it is enough to pronounce the word Heichal, but it's spelled Heichaf Lamed, which means that they weren't able to be Sholet over the Kodesh Kedashim. 75 is more than 66. That's what he says. And therefore, they weren't able to, the Pach Shemen that was found, Dafka hidden in that place, is with Chos Moshal Kohen Gadol, is that they weren't able to be sholid on that. And then the Maharal writes that the Kohen, the Kohanim, Dafka, the Maccabeum, or Kohanim, that Kohen is also 75, because Kohen is the one who has access to the Kodesh And this is the very peculiar, the Maharal doesn't do a lot, he's very into numbers, but he doesn't do a lot of gematria, the Maharal. Very peculiar idea that the Maharal says by Hanukkah. And Rabbi Yeshua Hartman gave a beautiful Hezber. He said that by the numbers of Am Yisrael, we don't have decimal points. It's not something that we have. And we know that the Kohen, on the one hand, represents Shluchad Yidan, and then on the other hand, he represents Shluchad Rachmana. The Kohen has very strange things about him. On the one hand, the Kohen is very Gufani. The Maharal writes in many places that a Kohen, based on the Gemara, the Gemara says that a Kohen, when he's not wearing the Big Day Kuhuna, Kunasan Lolav. When he's not wearing the Big Day Kuhuna, he doesn't have the Kedushas Kohen in this way. There's many chuvas about this, about how we deal with Kohanim nowadays. The fact that they don't have uh, Big Day Kahuna. There's a discussion about bringing Karbonos with Zmanazah even without Big Day Kahuna. Would that be possible in the Avni Nezer and in others? At the same time, a Kohen, we also know, is very Gufani because it comes on a certain level through, uh, it comes directly from the father to the son. It comes in this way of, you're born a Kohen. That's something which is embodied within the Guf. These things sort of show that the Kohen is, on the one hand, uh, found somewhere here in this world, whereas the Kohen, on the other hand, is Nivdal from everybody else. The coin is separate. The coin is, like we said a moment ago, is Shlucha de Rachmana. He's Lamala. 
And anyone who's ever studied the Maharal knows that the Maharal says all the time that seven is of this world and eight is of the world to come. Eight is beyond this world. And so the Kohen is Dafka 75, which is the closest we get to 7.5, a place in between seven and eight. Rav Avram Yitzchak HaKohen Kuk is Rav Avram Yitzchak. He's a Kohen who feels this tension of on the one hand, he's pulled towards this world and on the other hand, he's pulled completely out of this world. And Kuk. Now, the truth is that as I was studying more of Rav Kuk's Torah and reading some of uh, Rav Moshe Tzuriel's beautiful uh, encyclopedic work of Otsras Raya, of Rav Kuk's uh, biography and, and just unbelievable. So I was reading the first volume which has the Toldos of Rav Kuk. So Kuk stands for Kodesh Kedashim. That's what, the, that's what it really comes from, from his family, Kodesh Kedashim, as we just spoke about a moment ago, this Indian of Kodesh Kedashim, which is 75. Of, uh, so that's, that's on one hand. On the other hand, we know that Rav Kuk spoke Yiddish, and we know that the word Kuk in Yiddish means to look, to be able to see. Rav Kuk was known by his Talmidim as the Raya, as the seer, as the visionary. And vision, as a son of an ophthalmologist, I can tell you, vision is a composite. The reason that we can see in 3D, in three dimensions, is that we have two slightly different variant ways of looking at the world with the right eye and the left eye. And the two of those together create a third composite vision, which is three-dimensional, where I could see not everything as a flat plane, but I start to see what's in the back and what's closer and what's closer because of the fact that there's this disparate vision in my right eye and my left eye. If we put all of that together, I'm not thinking that this is overly poetic, to say that Rav Avraham Yitzchak, HaKohen Kuk, means kol kulo, two things that are opposite that become resolved in a single personality. Avraham Yitzchak, Kohen is Shlucha Drachman and Shlucha Didan, who is able to see with the vision of three dimensions, who can see from the right side and the left side and to bring everything together. That's really what I'd like to speak about. I'd like to speak about several places in Rav Kook's writing and several ideas which are themes that are found throughout Rav Kook's writing that I've seen which show a portrait of a person who's able to see a thing and its opposite and make us feel that it's okay to have a thing and its opposite and to work towards integrating those two things together. So I want to begin with a teaching not from Oros HaTorah, but from Oros HaTshuva, which I think is apropos where we sit right now, on Motei Shabbos. This teaching is found in Perak Yudalid, and this is uh, Oslam at Gimel. If you have a, a safer or a phone, you can could, you could look along. Sorry that I didn't make sheets. In Oslam at Gimel, Rav Kuk writes, the Erev Shabbos Kodesh, everybody knows that on Erev Shabbos, this is filled in all the Svarim, and Rav Kuk is taking, is synthesizing all the different paths together. Everybody knows that on Erev Shabbos, Tzrichim Lasuk B'Tshuva. A person needs to do tshuva. It's important to do tshuva. Part of the whole Indian of mikvah on Erev Shabbos like the, like the Rebbe of Ger pointed out, that it's a sharp, sharp teaching. It's a sharp teaching. But they said that we know that the Gemara tells us that a non-Jew is not permitted to keep Shabbos. And therefore, a person needs to go to the mikvah to convert those part of him that was misnaker from the Borei Olam on Arab Shabbos in order to do tshuva to come back. Because how could we keep Shabbos with those parts of us that are nochri, that are foreign from Hashem? B'nei Nechar, like Rashi explains by the Karben Pesach in a few weeks. In the parsha, B'nei Nechar means not non-Jewish people. That would just be Nechar. B'nei Nechar means people who are influenced by a Nachri way of looking at the world. And so a person needs to go to the mikvah in order to retire himself to, be, to convert to, to Yiddishkeit once again in order to keep Shabbos. Everybody knows, says Rav Kook, that on Erev Shabbos, Tzrichim Lasek Pachuva, Al Kola Avar Biyamos A lot happens 
during the week. A lot happens during the week. A person during the Yemos HaChol is finding himself torn in all different directions in this world. After all the things that a person went through and all the things that they were exposed to. In Eretz Yisrael, Baruch Hashem, we have the opportunity to, a lot of times, work with uh, fellow Jews. But I speak to a lot of Jews who are not here. And even here, we have, sometimes we're exposed to things during the work week when we're running around to people who are not from the base Medrash, not sitting Yoshev Olim all the time. And even when we are Yoshev Olim, when we're running around and buying things and taking care of life, we're sometimes dragged down into the realm of seven more than we are in the realm of eight. And so on Shabbos, we need to make sure that we didn't dip down from seven into six or to five or to four. We didn't go down into a place which is really not matim for a Jewish person. But then Rav Kook says something which is so remarkable and something which I find in a number of places in Rav Kook's writing, and I'll touch on a few of them very briefly. Ube Motzei Shabbos is Rav Kook, but on Motzei Shabbos, which is where we're sitting right now, Tzrichim Lashuv B'Tshuva Ala Tochin Shel Ha'aras HaShabbos. And this is a, 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 a remarkable idea that we find in Rav Kook's writing in a number of places, that a person needs to do tshuva for keeping Shabbos. Can you imagine such a thing? It's an idea that's found in Rav Kook's writings in a number of, in a number of places, that a person needs to do tshuva for doing a mitzvah. Now, if we've never learned Oras HaTshuva, that sounds very peculiar. But if we understand what Oras HaTshuva is really teaching us, which is that even tzaddikim need to do tshuva, and that tshuva means that there was a time and there was a place when Ein Od Novada, there was nothing but Hashem. There was nothing but Hashem. And that now that we're in a world where it's seemingly Yesh Od Novada, then we're met with this situation where you have and you need something which is going to be that's going to pull the two of them together. So Rav Kook says that after keeping Shabbos, a person keeps Shabbos, and Shabbos is completely blanketed with the feeling of Raza de Shabbos I, Shabbos, the Achtos of Shabbos, everything is one. That those feelings of grandeur that a person feels on Shabbos work. Laundry, going shopping, writing term papers, if that's what you're holding, putting in the you know, accounting slips or whatever. On Shabbos, a person is completely one with Hashem. Who could bother with these things of the curses of Adam Rishon, and who could, who could deal with these types of things? But then comes Motzei Shabbos. And standing in the light of Shabbos, a person doesn't get harmed by those feelings. It's good to feel on Shabbos. Ah! Only you, Hashem, it's all I want is just to daven and to learn and to be with my family and to grow together, and it's all I want. But comes Motzei Shabbos, says Rav Kook, and a person needs to do tshuva in order to re-enter into the world. Because having chosen Shabbos and having looked at the world through the eyes of Shabbos, through those eyes of something which are so high and so holy, but on Shabbos it can't be mazik, when a person re-enters into the world and he needs to be able to sheish yomim in order that he can have a Shabbos, and he needs to be able to care for his family. He needs to be able to be osik in uvdin dechol. He needs to do things of this week. So there, and he doesn't have the hagana of Shabbos. He doesn't have that protection of Shabbos, which makes those feelings of, ugh, these are lower things in my life. I don't want to be osik in these things. <coughs> Without that hagana of Shabbos, it could be that this will push him into a place which is not healthy anymore. And then Rav Kook says an unbelievable chiddush. He says, I'll bring you a raya that this is true. That a person who's reintegrating back into the world after going to a very high place needs an act of tshuva in order of Motzei Shabbos, after keeping Shabbos, 
You need to make sure you re-enter the atmosphere in a way where you're not going to suffer from, you know, like if you dive deep into the ocean, when you come back up, you have to make sure that you don't come up too quickly lest you get the bends. And if a person goes into outer space or you're landing from a plane and your ears start to pop, if it comes down too quickly, if it then it, 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 it'll, it'll rupture an eardrum. When a person re-enters the atmosphere of this world, they need to do it with a way of tshuva. Says Rav Kook. We know that when the Kohen Gadol changes his clothing on Yom Kippur, says Rav Kook, when he goes from his regular clothing to the special clothing that he wears, the Yom Kippur, he does the Kiddush Yadayim V'Raglayim. He puts on the special clothing of Yom Kippur, he needs to wash his hands and feet because he's elevating to this higher level of big day, the, 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 the special begotten that he's going to wear on Yom Kippur. Ki osim because when a person's moving from the regular big day kahuna up to this higher level, there's little sigim, there's little dross of, of impurity that tries to sneak in together with him into these higher states of being. What people don't realize, Rav Kook says, and what he points out is that aval, after a person finishes going to the Kodesh Kadashim and the Kohen Gadol comes out and he changes back into his big day chol, he changes back into his regular clothing, but into the into the big day kahuna that's of the lesser status, he also has to wash his He also has to do. He also has to wash his feet and his hands. Why is he washing his hands and his feet for going back to the regular clothing? Says Rav Kook. The answer is that when a person does something which they're supposed to do, when a person chooses the higher thing, they still have to make sure that they're not choosing that higher thing on the back of something which is lower, which is also a positive value. Another place where Rav Kook writes this in a very startling way, which I think is very shayach. For our generation, is it's in the same volume. Uh, Rav Cook fashioned himself uh, a sefer called Midos Haraya, and the sefer Midos Haraya is fashioned uh, immediately. We know so from Rav Cook's own words. It's, fas- it's fashioned after the sefer Amidos of Rabbi Nachman Breslov. It's organized in the same way of the Aleph Beis that we have Ava and Amuna and, and, and different uh, going through the letters of the Aleph Beis. Under the Keta for Tznius, Rav Cook writes the following. Again, at first, something, and we could see, we could begin to see why, as Rav Eisenstein pointed out, this is, on, uh, this is in, the, in the section on, on, on Midos Raya, we could see why people can take ideas of Rav Kook and misunderstand them and misapply them. That's why it's so important to learn it from somebody who is, who is Yer Shamayim and who, who has some sort of tradition on how to learn these things. Rav Kook writes, Midos Atznius Goremes Tovus Rabbis The Midah of Tznius is a wonderful thing. It's the greatest thing. The midah of tzniyos means that a person has to make sure and to know that they're always walking in such a way that there's a hafrada, there's a, some sort of separation, there's some sort of way of making sure that the demarcation lines between one gender and another gender are always made with a, a certain level of... Even the way that we speak about tzniyos itself, we, 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 we stumble as we speak because we speak with such caution. As a result of this, says Rav Kook, we find that Tzniyos sometimes pushes off things that themselves are very beautiful and very good. We know that the Torah is founded on a way of looking at the world that Vahafta l'recha kamocha bonagir. Vahafta l'recha kamocha zeklal gadol v'tor. And Rav Kook writes, Aval keivan shemipnei yetzer adam v'kocha chalash yigrimu lifrotz b'midus ha-Tzniyos. Sometimes we have this midah Vahafta l'recha kamocha. That means that ideally, really, from some way of looking at the world, from some higher way of looking at the world, it should be, says Rav Kook, that when a person is walking around in the world, there should be no difference between someone of the, say, if I'm, if I'm a male, 
and I see a, a friend of mine who is a male, and I can go and give them a hug, says Rav Kook, it should be on some level that the same thing should be from the, from the other side also of a man and a woman. Because that's the way that it should be in the world. Ah, but there's a mid of tznius. And the mid of tznius is so chashuv. And if, if this is there, we're teaching tznius to our generation, to our children, to our students, to our talmidim and talmidos, it would be a different thing. Tznius is so precious. The whole yichus of Am Yisrael, the whole, the whole godless of Am Yisrael that we're able to say that we go back to the others and we know exactly how that works. is so precious, it's so lofty, that it even pushes away something which is so great called Ava Achva Shalom Vareis. And therefore, every single time, says Rav Kook, that a person chooses, and then he writes the same thing about, about uh, you know, on the one hand, uh, and I'll finish the sentence in a second, on the one hand, a per- this is the same, same keta, it's on the one hand, a person should want to know everything in the world. Hashem created the world, and in the world there's such chachma, there's such beauty in the world, we should want to know everything without any self-censorship. On the other hand, says Rav Kook, Tzniyos, Emunah, Yerushamayim. A person has to self-censor sometimes. What is it that I engage in reading? And what? There are certain things I, I don't want to know about. But how could you not want to know everything, says Rav Kook. So Rav Kook says, when a person chooses Tzniyos, when a person chooses Shabbos, when a person chooses self-censorship, together with all of those things, you also need to do tshuva. Which means, I chose to keep Shabbos. If I choose to keep Shabbos, and that choice to keep Shabbos causes me to look down on going to buy peanut butter and jelly for my children, then there's something that's not right about the way that I'm keeping Shabbos. If a person walks down the street and they see somebody, different communities, and there's the postkim discuss this, how Sheila Shalom Bein Ishli Isha should be practiced, or if a person walks down the street, or if a person themselves has certain hanhagos and sneas, that they, they cover themselves in a certain way and they have certain hanhagos, so if Cook says, it could lead, chas v'shalom, that it turns sinas am Yisrael. It could be that you'll end up hating the opposite gender. And that's not what the Torah wants. The Torah wants you to choose tznius and at the same time to recalibrate and to say, I'm choosing tznius because tznius is higher than ava ach v'shalom v'reyos, but not that ava ach v'shalom v'reyos is something bad. I'm choosing not to read that or not to engage in that. I'm choosing to filter out certain things in my life, not because having freedom of inquiry is bad, but because there's something that's higher than that. That's called yerashamayim. That's called tznius. So this is an idea that we find in Rav Kook in a number of places that's very startling, that a person needs to do tshuva on picking the right thing. Another idea that shows this level of nuance in Rav Kook. For those who are intimidated by Rav Kook's writing, I hope that the Sefer will help a little bit, and there are other beautiful svarim that have been, that have been written in order to open up Rav Kook's world. But if you want to go directly to the source without an intermediate, without a translation, or without a, a commentary, so I would recommend, this is my humble recommendation, although you could speak to other people who know better, I would recommend starting with Rav Kook's Enaya. It's good for a number of reasons. Number one, he wrote it earlier in life. Uh, he started it earlier in life, so it's a little less, you know, I guess it, it's the flowery language hadn't blossomed completely yet. Although it's pl- pl- plenty beautiful. At the same time as well, it's based on the Gemara, so there's like a grounding, you know like where the starting point is until you find your footing in some of the other farm. You're not sure like what the topic is until you get halfway through the piece. And here there's a certain sense of you're going the Hemshech in the, in, the, in the Gemara. The pieces are a little shorter. Uh, it's my humble recommendation. So one of the first pieces in Enaya, which for me has been uh, a profound window into the worldview of Rav Kook and this 
notion of, of a nuanced way of Avodos Hashem is a piece based on the, the beginning of Brachos. And the beginning of Brachos is a discussion about Bein Hashmashos. About Bein Hashmashos. So the Gemara there has a machlok between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi. This is uh, Os Dalid in the first parak of Enaya. Where there's a machlok between Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda about what Bein Hashmashos is. Is Bein Hashmashos a time which is, as Rabbi Yossi points out, is keheref ayin, bein hashmashos keheref ayin, ze nichnes ve ze yotzei, ve i afshar la'amed alav. It's a time which is not a time, it's, it's keheref ayin, it comes and goes so quickly that it's only a theoretical time period, but it's not something you could stand in the middle. Or, as Rav Yehuda points out, that bein hashmashos is a time that there's a time period between when shkia happens and when tzeis ha'kochavim happens, where there's this time period in between that's called tzeis ha'kochavim. Rav Kook first explains what it means to say Sakochav. And then he lays out in one or two lines something which I think radically changed the way that I learn Gemara, that I teach Gemara, and that I try to serve Hashem. And fits into this paradigm of Rav Kook being Avram, Mitzchak, Kako, and Kook. Rav Kook says, What is Bein Hashmashas? The Pnimius, the Amkus, what is Bein Hashmashas? And here as well, I'll just point out, another thing that Rav Kook does here is that he takes something which is a halachic discussion and he shows how what you thought was halacha and what you thought was agarata is really, they're both both. If you know how to read it properly, they're both both. So Rav Kook says, what is Bein Hashmashos? There's a medrash that says, I remember I saw this when I was in Yeshiva University, I saw this medrash for the first time and I saw a beautiful explanation of it in the Sefer Kemotze Shalom Rav. I'll share that explanation as well. The medrash says, yom echad. It was morning and it was, it was evening and it was morning, one day, the first day. So Chazal say, Vayerev, Elu Maseim Shel Rishayim. This is the Maseim Shel Rishayim. Vayiboker, Elu Maseim Shel Tzadikim. One day tells us, says Chazal, we don't know, does Hashem prefer the Maseim Shel Rishayim or the Maseim Shel Tzadikim? We weren't sure which one does Hashem prefer more because it says Vayerev, that's the Maseim of the Rishayim. And Hashem allows that to happen. Vayiboker, that's the Maisim Shel Tzadikim. And we don't know which one Hashem prefers more. He ends by saying, Yom. One day. The first day. And therefore we see that Hashem prefers the Maisim Shel Tzadikim. So I saw in the Sefer, Kemotze Shel Rav, if anyone knows that says, a beautiful set that quotes from obscure Shalos and Shuvos. If I recall correctly, I wasn't planning on saying this tonight. I believe he quotes from the Sefer Shalos and Shuvos, Zayis Ra'anan. Hashem should forgive me if it's the wrong author, but I'm pretty sure that's where he quotes it from. That... The pshat in that medrash is that the whole often Hashem created the world with free choice. And Hashem extracts paranus. He, he extracts punishment from those who don't keep his will. And he gives reward to those who do keep his will. And belays brera, the whole often, Hashem's kavod is male kol Because a person will see that Hashem is takif and Hashem is moshal bakola olam. And if a person goes against Hashem's will, then Hashem created the world for his kavod, for his honor. And Hashem's honor will be met by the downfall of the Rishayim. And when the tzaddikim do the will of Hashem, Hashem's honor is elevated through the fact that the tzaddikim get their just reward. And so therefore, if the whole goal of the world is kvod Hashem, so then we don't know, does Hashem prefer the ma'isim of the Rishayim or the ma'isim of the tzaddikim? Come along Chazal and say, but of course Hashem is kulo tov and kulo chesed. And Hashem would prefer to bring about His honor through the giving of reward to the tzaddikim rather than giving to the Rishayim. So if Kuk says, let's take this medrash and let's apply it to Bein Hashmashas. If Vayi Erev means the Maisim Shel Rishayim, 
And Vayivoker means the Maisim of the Tzadikim. Then Bein HaShmoshos is the time which is neither Boker or Erev, which means it must be in Yone Rishos. So he says, Vayerev means, Vayerev means the Maisim that are Averos, that which you're not supposed to do, HaMaisa Shalota Aseh, and Vayivoker means Mitzvah Aseh, which means that eating and drinking and sleeping and, 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 and running around and doing and relaxing a little bit here and there, that's all called in Yone Rishos. So then Rav Kook says something unbelievable. He says, the machlokas between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi is really a machlokas between the Jewish philosophers of the ages. He quotes, on the one hand, the Ravid, and he quotes, on the other hand, the Chovas Halavavos. There's a machlokas that we find, it's not just the two of them. If one more, more Marmakomas on this afterwards, we could speak. But there's, there's a machlokas we find between uh, two different ways of looking at the world. How do we view in Yone Rishos? How do we view drinking a, a cup of tea or taking a nap or doing those things that we need in order to continue our body functioning in a way which is, uh, which is healthy? So on the one hand, you have the Das of the Ravid in the Sefer Balei Nefesh, where the Ravid writes that in Yon Rishos or in Yon Rishos, there are mice of mitzvah, that's called putting on tefillin every morning, that's called davening three times a day, that's called shaking Luvan Esther, that's called lighting Hanukkah candles, that's called all the mitzvahs asay. And there are mitzvahs los asay, what a person is not permitted to do. Certain clothing that a person is not permitted to wear, certain things a person is not permitted to say, certain things a person is not allowed to do with their body, certain things a person is not allowed to eat. Those are the los asays. And then there are things that are pasha, not asays, and not los asays. And a person eats and drinks and does things, as long as they make a bracha and as long as it's kosher, then that's called the Yonerishos. Chovos Halavavos describes that there's a certain way of looking at the world where there is no such thing as Yon Rishos. That which a person needs to function and does, a person needs to eat a certain amount, needs to sleep a certain amount, needs to do a certain amount of things, that which a person needs to function and they do that so that they can serve Hashem properly is nishapich to be mitzvah as soon as they do it. Meaning every time, it's a wild way to live, every time a person holds a piece of food or a cup of drink in their hand, Every sip, says the Chobos Lohos, if you need it to serve Hashem, is nishapech to mitzvah. And if you don't need it, then it's an avera. That's what he says. Every time you need to go to sleep, every minute that you sleep that you need, mitzvah. Every minute that you oversleep, avera. So then it says, we've like this. He says, there's a machlux in Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi. How do we view Bein HaShmoshos? Is Bein HaShmoshos something that you can actually stand in, like the Ravid? Because if Bein HaShmoshos means in Yone Rishos that are neither, neither mitzvah nor Avera. So do we say that in Yone Rishos, which is that realm which is neither Vayiv Erev or Vayivoker, do we say that it's something you could stand in? And I could drink a cup and I don't have to sit and be metapel. It's not the, it's, it's an actual thing. It exists. The poem. Or do we say it only exists in theory? But every time I encounter in Yone Rishos, I either, that's why it's called Rishos, because I either drag it into the Rishos HaYachid of Avodos Hashem, where everything is Echad, or I drag it into the Amad de Piruda, I drag it into the realm of Rishos HaRabim, where there's many gods, and there's many ways of looking at the world, and, I, and that's, that's, a, that's my Saavera. So says Rav Kook that Rav Yehuda and Rav Yossi are actually arguing on a certain level about how should a person view in Yon Rishos. Is it something I could stand in, or is it only theoretical? And then Rav Kook says the two lines that I wanted to, I mean, that's already beautiful and super nuanced, but then Rav Kook says the following. He lays out a rule, which we find him use in a number of places, where he says that halacha, when we paskin halacha, halacha is a lashon of halicha. Halacha is a lashon of how should the average person act in the world. 
However, that which we don't paskin, like, always belongs to the realm of the aspirational. It always belongs to the realm of that which we're aspiring to. And so therefore, he says, the fact that we paskin, that Bein HaShemashos is a real entity, means that lahalacha we view, the average person in the world has to live with eyes of saying, you know, I have mitzvahs to do, I have averus not to do, and when it comes to other things in life, I don't have to hold myself to the standard where every single sip of coffee and every single cheshvan of, is it one teaspoon of sugar or two teaspoons of sugar? I don't have to live like that on the realm of halacha. But in the realm of the aspirational, every person has to aspire to the derech of Rabbi Yossi, who says that Bein HaShemash is only uh, theoretical. On the realm of the theoretical, I have to be aspirationally driven towards making every single thing in my life holy. And this is another way that we see Rav Kook strikes this balance between, on the one hand, what is expected of me, and on the other hand, what I should be striving for. On the one hand, what's expected of me is that I keep Shabbos. On the other hand, I should be striving that my Shabbos shouldn't be in a way that it somehow makes me look down on the things that I have to do during the week. On the one hand, I should aspirationally be desiring that every single thing I do is, is cheshbon da, that it's exactly according to the will of Hashem. On the other hand, I have to be a normal person. I have to be able to live in the world where there's in Yonah and not every single thing is calculated unless I'm on that level. This tear in both directions, we'll, we'll, we'll close up in a minute, I just want to share one or two more yisodos, not from, not from Rav Kook. This tear in both directions, like Rav Kook said about himself, Misha amar nishmasi krua, Anybody who says about me that my soul is torn, they're saying good. Because indeed, every person's soul is torn in many different directions. The only thing that's shalim is a domain. It's a thing which is silent. Rak, rak a domain shalim, he said. Only a domain is shalim. But a person is pulled in all different directions. But that pulling in all different directions doesn't have to be pulled in the direction of dafka, bad versus good. Even the good pulls a person in this direction and that direction. And a person has to be able to constantly, like, like, you know, there's two ways. I was just recently thinking about this. The derech mashal, I think it's a good mashal. There's, there's two different ways that a person travels. I think about this myself because this is the two different ways that I get to and from work. Sometimes I get on a bus or on the light rail on the train. And sometimes I drive. When you get on the light rail or you get on the bus, all you have to do is make sure you get on the bus and then the bus takes you to where you need to go. And that's one mahalach in how a person moves about. You get on, there's certain areas in life where a person makes a concrete decision, and that's sort of you know, a community that you choose to go to, where you send your kids to school. But then there are other things in life where it's like driving. Driving, you get in your car, you start there, and every second you have to constantly be shifting the wheel. If you just, if you just let go of the wheel, I'm going straight, right? So I just let go of the wheel, it's just going to get me, if, let's say I have to go from here, and I'm trying to get right over there, straight. So I just let go of the wheel, and the car should go straight, right? If I'm on a bus and somebody's taking care of that for me, say If I'm on a plane, I get to where I need to go just by getting on the plane. But there's so many aspects of our Vodas Hashem, it's like being in a car. And you're constantly having to shift back and forth between Chesed of Avram and Gvura of Yitzchak, of Shlucha Didan and Shlucha Rachmana, of seeing with this vision and seeing with that vision, of doing a mitzvah and then recognizing that there's another value, which although lower than the value that I'm, that I'm operating within, still needs to be taken care of. And there's so many different parts in my life where I need to just constantly be shifting back and forth. So I want to just close up with two thoughts from the Maharal, a big yisod of the Maharal, that I think explains Rav Kook, obviously, uh, one of the important uh, things that Rav Kook reintroduced to, uh, to many people's study is the study of the Maharal. And uh, in, in his uh, universal yeshiva, in the Merkaz, in the yeshiva Merkazia Ulami, as he called it, which is now uh, Merkaz Harav, and other branches of that that spread out throughout Am Yisrael, 
And so many of, uh, of uh, so many Magide Shirim and people in the world who are influenced by Rav Kook's thought are little satellite yeshivas of this yeshiva merkazi olami. It's happening more in a way than Rav Kook could have ever imagined because there's different little pockets all over the place. The Maharal is so central to Rav Kook's uh, way of looking at the world. The Maharal describes in a number of places that the only way that a person can be whole, the only way that a person can serve Hashem properly is by being torn between two opposite things. I'll give you three places where the Maharal talks about this and we'll, we'll stop at that. The first place is in the Chidush HaGados to Mesech Sanhedrin, Daf Tzadites. This is where I first saw this idea. This is the Esod of the Maharal over there where there's a conversation between Antoninus and Rebbe about when the Yitzhahara comes into a person. At what point does the Yitzhahara get introduced into a person? It's a whole fascinating Gemara over there. And at the end of the day, the Gemara settles on the fact, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi says, that the Yitzhahara comes into a person, enters into a person, at the Shas Leida, when a person is born into the world. The Shas Leida is the moment that the Yitzhahara comes in, and he quotes a Pasuk, Pesach Chatas Rovetz. At the opening, when a person enters into the world, chatas rovets. That is where sin is crouching to, to pounce upon a person. Le Pesach, chatas rovets. That's what Rabbi Uranasi says. Comes along the Maharal and he says, Yisod Galu B'chayim, that I think is found throughout Rav Cook's writings, and we only touched on two or three of them tonight, but something you could find everywhere. And that is the following. The Yitzhar Hara, we normally think of this thing, such a sophisticated way of explaining. We explained the sophisticated way of thinking about Tzniyus tonight. This is a sophisticated way of, of trying to explain Yetzir Hara to ourselves and to, to people we could share it with. What does the word Yetzir Hara mean, says the Maharal? The word Yetzir, of course, comes from the word Yetzar Yetzirah, which means a formation, a formation of something. Yetzir means an inclination, but it comes from the word Yetzar, which means to form. And Ra is poorly translated as evil. How do I know it's poorly translated as evil? Because if this chair over here, which is not immoral, but amoral, it doesn't have a moral compass to it, there's nothing is. If this chair was missing one of the legs, or the back was a little bit broken, I would say this is a bad chair, this is not a good chair. This is a kisei ra, it's not a good chair. It's not a good chair. It didn't do anything wrong, it's not, it's not evil, it's not an evil chair, it's just not a great chair, because it's not filling its function. It's not complete. The Yetzir Hara, says the Maharal, is that force that Hashem put in the world, which is Tov Ma'od, like Chazal say. Tov zu Yetzir Tov. Ma'od zu Yetzir Hara. Yetzir Hara is that force, which is best translation, this is my own translation, I never saw this anywhere. The, tr- the translation of Yetzir Hara, as I see it, is the force that forms lack, that forms incompletion. It is a force that Hashem put into the world, that, that pushes incompletion. Says the Maharal, when does the Yetzir Hara enter into a person? Listen to how remarkable this is. At the moment that a person is coming into the world and is born, that's when the Yetzir Hara is. Why, says the Maharal? Because the baby, after going through a talich of nine months of gestation and being fully formed, the baby now has fingers and it has a working brain and it has a working heart and it's now a fully formed being. And the baby says to himself, Psh, I made it. I did it. I'm complete. At the moment that a person feels complete, the Maral even says elsewhere that that's the whole Indian of the Malach hitting the baby on the, on the mouth, is that that's the moment the mouth means the place where body and soul, where machshava and maisa come together. That's the, I, I finally, I was finally a soul in a body. I'm complete. 
And there's nothing more hilarious than thinking that a baby would think about itself philosophically, that it's complete. It didn't even start, Kamat didn't start yet. The moment that the baby comes out and says, I am complete, the Yitzhah Haran says, no, you're not. There's so much more you have to do. And so therefore, the Yitzhah Haran is a positive force in the world that says, every time you think you're complete, no, you're not. You kept Shabbos, you're a tzaddik, you kept Shabbos. Nope, you have to recalibrate. The Maharal writes this as well, and also in Chidusha Agados, a little bit later in Sanhedrin, where the Gemara says that every Lashon of Vayeshev is a Lashon of Chatas. Because when, then he says the same Yisod there, I said it's Kufav, in the Chidusha Agados there, but the Maharal says that every Lashon of Vayeshev is a Lashon of Chatas, because when a person is settled and sitting, Vayeshev Yaakov, Bikesh Yaakov, Leishev Bashalva, Kuftal of Rugzah Shal Yosef. Because the, the, and it's Davka, Kuftal, it's Kuftal of Rugzah Shal Yosef. Meaning, do more. Rugza shal Yosef, you could always do more. When Yaakov feels like he's reached a, a level of shalva, vayeshev, in el lashon chatas. And the Gemara quotes like five, six psukim where we find the lashon of vayeshev associated with chet. Because as soon as the person thinks they've completed themselves, they're finished. And with this, we'll end a beautiful teaching from the Maral in the Sefer Derech Chaim. The Maral in Derech Chaim in his Perish to Pirkei Avos on the second Mishnah and the second, uh, second Perek. Rabbi Gamliel Benosher of Yehuda Anasi. Omer, Great is learning Torah together with Derech Eretz, together with having an occupation. According to some, Derech Eretz could mean tefillah, it could mean lots of different things. Because through working with the two of those together, a person will be free of sin, will be free of avon. Mara writes so beautifully that when a person is torn between these two worlds of Talmud Torah and Derech Eretz, Whatever that means. If, if Derech Eretz means Torah, and if Derech Eretz, excuse me, means Tefillah, if Derech Eretz means an occupation, if Derech Eretz means working on your midos versus the intellectual pursuit of Torah, whatever it means, it doesn't matter what it means. It means that if a person has two competing values that are both good and both important, Mishkach you know why? Because the Yetzir Hara attacks Dafka, a person who thinks they're complete. But if a person is working on Derech Eretz and is working on Torah, if a person is working on Bikiyas, Envy. If a person is working on having a job and supporting their family and also making time for Kavati Itamotara. If a person is balancing two things, if a person is Avram and Yitzchak, if a person is a Kohen, Shluchad Rachmana and Shluchad Yudan, if a person is cook with a right eye and with a left eye, then the Yitzhar Hara has no hold on you, says the Maharal. Because a person never thinks they're complete. As soon as I'm learning Bikiyas, I should really be doing more Bikiyan. Not in an unhealthy way. I mean, it could be in an unhealthy way. If I'm learning Bikiyan, I should really be doing more Bikiyas. If I'm working on my Midos, I should really be working on my Yediyas Torah. If I'm working on Parnassah, I should really be working on Ruchnius. If I'm working on Ruchnius, I should be working on Parnassah. So the Maharal says when a person feels like there's two good things that are pulling them in, the same di- in, in two different directions, Mishkach HaSav and Yitzhar has no hold on a person. Because the Yitzhar Hara is that force that says, ah, you're complete? Can't be. So Hashem gave us the koach and the privilege of coming together, this Indian of, of growing together, of Kuftal of Rukh Yosef. I'll fulfill the will of my, of my dear friend, uh, Josh Lotnick, who had to step out, by telling you a story, at the end of the story, from the Ben Ishchai. One of my favorite stories in Ben Ishchai, appropriate for Motzei Shabbos. Ben Ishchai, when he was a young man, about six years old, six, seven years old, this is found in the Hakdamah to one of his farm, when he was six years old, he had a hanhaga that when he was six, seven years old, I, I can relate to this, it's not so dangerous, I have a seven-year-old, that his father used to let him hold a Havdalah candle when he was seven. And he had a sister who was one year younger than him, either five or six years old, I don't remember the story exactly, and uh, she came of age that it was appropriate for her to hold the Havdalah candle with a little bit of guidance from the parents. And one Motzei Shabbos, sitting now on Motzei Shabbos, she wanted to hold the Havdalah candle. 
So Rav Yosef Chaim of Baghdad at the time was just little Yosef Chaim, said to his father, Abba, come on. You, taught, you said that Havdalah, why is Havdalah in Chorin Das? Because the main Das Havdalah Minayim. Havdalah is a, is, a, is a function of Das, it's a function of intellect, and I'm older than her, so I have more Das, so I should get to hold the Havdalah candle. Pretty good for a seven-year-old. So the father says to Rabbi Yosef Chaim, he says to him, uh, Yosef Chaim, very nice that you have more Das than your sister, that's, you know, uh, let her hold the candle. No, the main Das Havdalah Minayim, I get to hold the candle. So I said, listen, if you're such a big baldas, you say a chiddush about havdal that no one ever said before, you could hold the candle. Deal? So he thought for a second and said, okay. So he said, uh, six, seven years old, he said, you know, Abba, last week we were learning Mesechus uh, Yuma. We were learning some Mishnahis in Yuma. And we came across, in the very beginning of Yuma, this discussion about a Kohen, you were talking before a Kohen, a, ko- a Kohen, Godel has to have a, maybe according to some opinions, has to have a backup on Yom Kippur, because what could happen to him if he, if he becomes Tomei? So he needs to have this Skan Kohen, who's a stand-in Kohen, in case something happens now. What happens is the Gemara, if that backup Kohen gets called into play, and he becomes the Skan Kohen Godel for Yom Kippur, because there's some Tomei that happened to the Kohen, to the regular Kohen Godel, and now the Skan Kohen Godel becomes the Kohen Godel for Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur ends, full Yom, he goes to the Mikvah, Kohen Gadol becomes Tar again. Now he's back to his regular services as Kohen Gadol. Uh-oh. So now, the, the Mishnayas and the Gemara are talking about it. So now you have this Kohen Gadol, this Skan Kohen Gadol, who now, what's he going to do? Is he going to stay the Kohen Gadol? That's going to lead to Tata. That's going to lead to Machlokas between the two. That's not, that's not a good, you can't do that. Is he going to go back to being a regular Kohen? There's a principle that the Gemara says, Malin B'Kodesh Ve'in Moridin. What are we going to do? So the Gemara says he, he becomes what's called the Skan Kohen Gadol. And that's, that's how he resolves the, the problem. So he said, Abba, you taught me this Indian of Malin B'Kodesh Ve'in Moridin. So he says, I want to say a Chiddush. You know, the Gemara in Pesachim has a whole discussion about the order of Havdalah. So he says, the Gemara there discusses the order of Havdalah on, on, on a regular Shabbos when we have to add in a, uh, with Kiddush and together. So the Gemara has a discussion and says, the order of Havdalah is first you make a Bor Gafen. And then, you say, we all did it tonight, and then Besamim, and then Bermer Ha'ish, and then Hamavdu bin Kodesh Lecho. That's the order of making Havdalah. So his father said, yeah. So he said, well, why did Chazal put it in that order? So I said, I don't know why he put it in that order. So he said, because Malin B'Kodesh ve'in Moridin. So his father said, what do you mean? He said, Abba, first we make a bracha of Berper Gafen, and then Besamim, and then Ish, and then Hamavdu bin Kodesh Lecho, from the mouth to the nose to the eyes to the brain. Malin B'Kodesh Ve'in Moridin. That's why Chazal put it in the order of of Bar Pir and then Bar Pir Salim and then Bar Pir and then Hamavdu B'Kodesh Chol. So Chazal, she can hold the Havdal candle, you know. Ad Khan, the story of the Ben Ishchai. I share this story with you now as we're talking about this because this whole Mahalach of Rav Kook and the, some of the ideas that we learned here tonight and there's so many more. I have to pause here, it's already late. This whole Mahalach of Rav Kook, this way of looking at the world, and my hergish is, and this is not found in the, in the Sefer of the Ben Ishchai, this is not found, this is my, this is why I get hold of Havdalah candle, this is my additional chiddish to the Ben Ishchai's chiddish, is that why did Chazal put that by Havdalah? Because as we just said a moment ago, because Motei Shabbos is a time when a person goes la'elo, 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 goes higher and higher and higher. And then comes Motei Shabbos, and the feeling is that I now just went through the first meal of Shabbos, the second meal of Shabbos, the sheer you know, and, and Shal Shuddis and, and, and Dibuk Chaveirim and, and I went up and up and up and up and up and now I come to Motzei Shabbos and there's a feeling of 
I have to go back to being a regular, uh, regular guy. For a little bit, I was the Kohen Gadol. I was a big person. And now I have to go back to being a regular person, going back into the world. And Chazal wanted us to know that Yiddishkeit, when we look at a, a week like this, it goes like this, and then the next week is a higher, like a spiral, up and up and up and up and up and up. And that every time we come back into the world, it's true, like Rav Kook said, that we have to do tshuva to reintegrate into the world. But our chol is not the same chol anymore. Our chol is infused with that way of looking at the world through the eyes of Shabbos. And a person doesn't have to go back down after Shabbos. A Motei Shabbos person can lift themselves up and stay up. Because Malin B'Kodesh Ve'en And Chazal wanted to imprint that in the Nusach of Havdalah. That when a person is being Mavdal Ben Kodesh L'chol, and this is true in all of life, and this is what Rav Kook is teaching us, when a person is Mavdal Ben Kodesh L'chol, it doesn't have to do with the way that the Chol has to always be going up and down like a yo-yo, a Kodesh, and then Chol and Kodesh and Chol. But a person's Chol leads them to a new level of Kodesh, and that Kodesh leads them to a new level of Chol, and then from there to a new level of Kodesh. Adbias gold tzedek, until the end of time. Until a person is able to see how every single thing that they're doing, all of the inyan yishas are able to be pulled into the realm of mitzvah. Until a person is able to see that all of the mitzvahs that I'm doing also need recalibration so I can get to a higher level of appreciation for the things that I'm not choosing. Hashem should help us. That we should be zocheh to see once again teachers like Rav Avram Yitzchak Cook walk the face of the earth with the gold tzedek. Amen. Amen. Both swarm are available in the back. Thank you very much to all of you for coming out on a great Mosheshavah.